1: A week, the amazing Florence Ajamian and then later in the show we're going to have internationally recognized singer-songwriter Julia Fordham and she is uh, gonna talk to us about her journey here from the UK so we'll be having her come up later in the show stay tuned for that right now please give a warm welcome to Florence Ajamian. Hi Florence how are you? I'm fine thank you. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here today you look so fashionably elegant as always. I know you were telling me uh, that your mom uh, actually made fashion designer clothes when you were a kid. Yes. So you've been fashionable all your life. Yeah,
2: my mother had a
1: great fashion sense. Yeah. Which I inherited. Yes, you did. Yeah. You're looking fabulous. Thank you. Uh, do you feel like looking fabulous makes you feel fabulous? To a degree.
2: Yeah. Yes, to a degree. Yeah,
1: because I always feel that way. Like if I feel like I like what I have on, it makes me feel good. Yes, I do. Yeah. So I want to mention first that you are going to be on my uh, Forever Young panel at the upcoming Live, Love, Thrive conference, which is November 4th here in West Hollywood. And we're so excited to have you on there with uh, five other amazing women. All of you are over 80. Uh, and are still rocking it. I mean, you work five days a week. You are incredible.
2: Thank you. I also drive night and day.
1: I love that. My, oh my gosh.
2: My uh, eyesight is still very good, and my peripheral vision is still very good.
1: Oh yeah. Well, and obviously, you're definitely your mind is really good. You you know you're definitely remember more than I can. So. Uh, we were talking about that on the phone a little bit yesterday, that you actually re- have memories from every decade. Yes, and I do. Yeah, we were I talking do. about how you even vividly recall when, like, Lindbergh crossed the ocean. Yes, in
2: 1917.
1: Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, and you said there was a big no, parade 19- in New York? Twenty seven. 1927. Oh, 1927, 9- yes, okay. Yes, right. And uh, and there was a big parade in New York, the biggest ever. Yes, yeah. that's
2: what I've read.
1: yeah. Right. And you were living around New York at the time. So. Yes,
2: I was living in Montclair, New Jersey.
1: Oh, yeah, I've been to Montclair. Uh, yes. So um, were, were you at the parade? No. no. No, okay. But it was close by, well, and you I've, remember. I have
2: since read that. It was probably the largest of its kind yeah. down Fifth Avenue.
1: What are some other highlight moments you remember being a part of that are history like that?
2: Well, each decade had its... Uh, Own attraction, yeah, I would say. And uh, so, if that was the the
1: twenties, what would you say was in the thirties or forties? Was
2: of course the big depression. Oh yeah, the thirties, and um, fortunately, uh, I was not affected to a degree of suffering.
1: Oh, how wonderful that you escaped that! Right, yeah. However,
2: and of course, and uh, movies. The movie industry was coming into its own at that time, yeah. also in the
1: 30s. People were probably just looking for an escape. It was like probably yes. the perfect timing for Correct. something to yes, get people out of their depression, yes, right? indeed. Out of their depression about the depression. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that well, that's great. But uh, did you know a lot of people that it did affect?
2: No. Um, in the... Uh, town that I lived in at the time, uh, there was not a great lack of work, I would say. Oh, well, that was good. Yeah. So. uh,
1: What about the 40s? What do you remember about that? Well,
2: of course, the World War. Oh, yeah. World War II was the big event of the 40s. Yes, it
1: was. The big, uh, horrible
2: event. And then the post no. Post-World War II era you... and the start of the Cold War. Right,
1: right. and you did tell me uh, a sad story about y- y- the love of your life. was. Uh... Well,
2: yes, I was engaged to a fighter pilot who was killed in World War
1: II. Oh, my God, how devastating. Mm, yes. How devastating. So he went off to war. You were planning to get married when he got back?
2: Well, I don't know that we thought that much yeah, uh, I did not have definite plans because we were all enjoying being young.
1: Right. At the right. Time. right. Yeah. Well, you, I know you've really uh, had a fun and, and really amazing life, and we're going to talk about that. You never did marry. No. Right. But no. you told me you had a lot of boyfriends. Yes, I yeah, did. Yeah, I can. I can imagine <laughs> so. Probably still do, if I know you. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the three men that you worked for in your life, because each one of them was so extraordinary. Yes, they were. So let's talk about the first one, which was, he was a major. Alexander D. Saversky. Right. He
2: was an aviation pioneer and had been a, an ace in the Russian Air Force in World War I and founded Saversky Aircraft Company and they uh, designed and built the uh, P-51 fighter plane. He also uh, had patents for the all, first all-metal fighter planes. And is he the one that uh, created the autopilot, or was that someone else? Uh, no, that was uh, Sigorsky. Sigorsky, the names are similar. Oh, oh, okay. This is Siversky, right. Okay, well. And uh, he also, along with General Billy Mitchell, was responsible for uh, helping create the United States Air Force as a separate unit. Previously, uh, the Air uh, Flyers had been part of the uh, uh, Army. Oh, wow. And then they became a separate unit, the
1: U.S. Air Force. So that was one of the three that you worked for, and yes. then the second one, was his last name was Chalk. Yes, Roy Chalk. Right. He
2: wasn't so well-known out here on the west coast, but all along the east coast. Uh, he was a, a well-known capitalist and uh, had founded uh, Caribbean Airways and introduced routes to, um, new routes to the Caribbean,
1: namely Puerto Rico, right. Aruba, and Curaçao.
2: Right, and now is this uh, the
1: same Chalks Airline that does the seaplanes? Because I've been on that. Uh, no, it doesn't you know? exist now. Oh. Um, but as a result of the
2: new routes which he introduced, we saw the uh, influx of Puerto Rican into New York City, And that is why there's such a large uh, Puerto Rican population in New York City Wow, what a huge
1: influence. And
2: um, finally, American Airlines bought Trans-Caribbean Airways primarily for the routes to the Caribbean.
1: Wow. Yes. So that's two of the three uh, amazing genius men that you worked with. And the third was Dr. Armin Hammer. Correct. And you worked with him how long? 20, 30 years? No.
2: Uh, I worked with him directly for a dozen years, mm-hmm. but he founded Stop Cancer, the nonprofit to fund cancer researchers at USC, UCLA, and City of Hope. And uh, I've been with them for almost 30 years. Almost 30 years. So Dr. he founded it, and yes, then you right, developed all the membership. Two years after he founded Stop Cancer. He died in 1990. Did he die from cancer? Uh, Yes.
1: Oh, wow. So, how interestingly. Yeah, ironic. Uh, And uh, he needed
2: a a bone transplant,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but he was too fragile at 90, age 92, to to undergrow. Right. Right.
1: Transplant. Yeah. So, uh, what was that like working for Dr. Hammer? Um, and I know a lot of people don't know, you know, that he's with the petroleum. He was famous well, he worldwide. Founded, he uh, with the, founded uh,
2: Occidental and, Petro- yeah. uh, Corporation.
1: Right, because some people mix it up with Arm and Hammer baking soda, which it's not.
2: Yeah. But he uh, also was considered a city, a citizen diplomat. Mm-hmm. since um, he uh, knew personally all the world leaders at that time wow, and had dealings with them, and especially with Russia, and was uh, responsible for introducing uh, a half dozen or more uh, American corporations into Russia, which is well, ironic, since it was a communist state at, in the 20s Yeah, this, when all
1: this happened, yes. Was there some espionage going on there? Uh, <laughs> Who knows? Uh, well, I think that was going on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think you were uh, attracted to working with these powerful men? Uh, was What was your dad like? Uh, <clears throat> my
2: dad did not have a, a college education, but as I grew older, I realized he had a high IQ. Uh, he used to help me with, uh, with my math, and uh, he was also a, a great fan of French literature and introduced me to European literature.
1: Well, I know you were top of your class, and you were offered some scholarships, but you actually turned them down to stay in New Jersey, right? Yes, I did, because my father had
2: just been uh, diagnosed with cancer.
1: Is that why you you enjoy doing this work for Stop Cancer? Yes, I do. There's the more personal element involved. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because your mom grew up in an era where women didn't work really; they were housewives, Correct. right? Right. Uh, and here you were—you were a career woman from the get-go, and probably even earlier than most. I mean, it must—it was just starting that women would have yes. careers, right? right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you were a real trailblazer.
2: I probably um, now sometimes wish that instead of. Um, attending so many jazz clubs in the 50s in New York that I uh, had been going to law school at night at the time. (laughs) Sometimes I wish I had done that. You wish you'd been an attorney? Well, just to have the knowledge of the law, right.
1: Right, right. But your life sounds really amazing working for these incredible people that were so accomplished and Yeah, I know you enjoyed their, uh, how how smart they were. Yes, I did, I
2: do. I was always attracted to intelligent, intellectual.
1: Right. People, male or female. Right, right, And, and you enjoy reading?
2: Well, I used to do, somehow managed to do more reading when I was younger and before the age of uh, television right? I of course read constantly Yeah. but um, since there are many good uh, educational programs on TV maybe not so much now right. but earlier in the earlier days of television um, that took up some of my time.
1: So uh, what's your favorite show right now? What do you enjoy watching? The
2: uh, public uh, broadcasting Oh, me too, station. me too. Let's hope that, that stays around. And the Turner, I love the classical movies of the 30s and 40s. Brings uh, back good memories, huh? So Turner, yeah. classic movies.
1: So what do you think is the key to you having such a good memory like you do? do you, what, what do you attribute that to? Is it what you eat? Is it that you exercise? Is it that you read a lot? Like what's your secrets? uh,
2: Part of it is um, genetic, of course, Mm -hmm. on my father's side. And I like to think part of it is divine interception.
1: Yes, right. Are you a spiritual person? Yes. Yeah. And that. uh, I
2: am, I talk to my family all the time. Yeah. And Uh, uh, I've never had many relatives (laughs) because uh, my parents' uh, families were killed in the Armenian genocide.
1: Oh, wow. I have a friend that wrote a book about and, the Armenian genocide. Yes. Yeah.
2: And um, incidentally, there's now a, a movie worldwide, in circulation worldwide, called The, Prom- the Promise, um, funded by the late Kirk Kerkorian, um, which covers in somewhat to some degree the story of the Armenian genocide yeah right. yeah
1: and I've heard over there you know they try to even of course deny that it happened and take it well, out of the kids well, history books well and, documented of course so it, yeah
2: it's, uh, ironic that they should still persist in denying that. yeah it it's kind of crazy isn't right. it right
1: yeah but it's a crazy world we live yes. in what would you say has been the most changed in these hundred years since you've been here on the planet like you know how it's how it's been from decade to decade and how it is today with what's going on in our country
2: well until uh woodstock and you probably all know about woodstock but until then and the sexual revolution life was more
1: innocent yeah then Life yeah. was more innocent, and you think that was a game changer the '60s. Right, and
2: mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that some of the changes since then uh, have been good, but uh, some some have not. Morality, I don't think, has the strength that it did at one time.
1: Right, right. Morality, integrity. Right. Correct. Yeah you know i always think it's perception it's where you're looking so there are always really good people a lot of integrity a lot of you know i i think good people and then there's also a lot of evil in the world and we've seen that especially rise up in this country this year yes yeah what do you think about what's going on right now with um the, the the movement that just happened with the uh the, the white supremacist and stuff, are, are you surprised to see that uh, arising again? Did you think we'd already dealt yes, with that? right. No, that that is a concern.
2: I think the um, proliferation of nuclear weapons and the desire to increase nuclear weapons and moving from a lower level into the hydrogen bomb era is of great concern.
1: Yeah, I'll say. Of great concern. So on a little lighter note, uh, at 100, what is, how do you have fun? Like, what do you love to do? Well, there isn't as
2: much, there doesn't seem to be as much nightlife, except maybe on Sunset Strip, uh-huh. <laughs> as much night nightlife as when i was in my 20s and 30s and so social activity now seems to center more about dinners and luncheons uh-huh yeah we, it, w- we used to have supper clubs where there was always dancing i know wasn't that fun why did this yes, go away right, i wonder why those right. went away and um, yeah but um as there's a supper now. club
1: that we like downtown it's called the uh, cicada club and they have a big band and big band uh dinner and dancing right, right but uh it's maybe once a month and i know you know back in the 40s and 50s when my parents were right. around uh every weekend was yes. a big dance and well they yeah. were
2: the clubs were open during the week as well right right yeah were you a good dancer Um, Well, I have a sense of rhythm. Yeah, okay. Right. So you love music? If I had a good partner, you know, you can always follow a good partner. Right. And music, I like, um, and I'm familiar both with classical and jazz. Mm -hmm. In the 50s, uh, all the
1: jazz greats were in Manhattan. And what about shows? Do you enjoy going to live shows? Broadway-type yes, shows? Yes, I you still do. enjoy I, I, that? I miss
2: the Broadway stage. Yeah. I miss the Broadway stage.
1: You mean from living in New York? Yes, yeah. right. But you go here and to yes, Pantages yes, and... Right, yeah. To the opera and the Disney concert Yeah, so coming from New York, I would think you love the arts. Yes, and, I yeah. do. Yeah. So what do you think keeps you keeps you young besides uh it being... Well, you know, my... Uh, I've been with Stop Cancer,
2: the nonprofit organization that Dr. Hammer founded uh, to uh, fund cancer research almost thirty years. And have they made and, a lot uh, of progress? And uh, well, there has been a great deal of progress yeah. in cancer research. Yeah. There are many people with cancer today who would never, be alive if they had lived uh, 20, 30 years ago.
1: Right, and you guys have and a big fundraiser coming up, right, next weekend? Yes, October uh, our eighth uh, eight?
2: annual run walk. Yeah. Nice. But I feel that working at Stop Cancer, uh, which had a very interesting gr- um, core group of founders who uh, were very dedicated and very active Um, We had great events, and uh, I feel that all that work and activity contributed uh, to my longevity. I think so, because it's
1: a passion of yours, gives you a reason every day to get up and know that you're making a difference in the world. Correct. Yeah, so it's stopcancer.org. Right. Yes? Yes. Okay, so if uh, people want to attend the October 8th event, the walk run. It's 15th, Sunday, October 15th. Uh, or October 8th 15 okay right. uh, so they go to stopcancer.org Correct. and then also um, they uh, can donate anytime yes and they can donate their time like yes. you do yes. right yes. yeah right okay. although
2: I'm on I'm a I'm, a, I'm a staff
1: oh right yes, staff but people but do but you take volunteers yes yeah. we do well I think it's great work that you're doing thank you and you've been doing it a long time god bless you and uh, you. i know you'll keep going and I keep hope making so. a difference uh, I you hope know so. that's all we need in this world in this lifetime is to uh, leave a, a legacy of of making a difference and that's what you're doing right yeah thank you well, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to uh, the event and yes. uh, hope that our listeners will join and look up StopCancer.org. And thank you, Florence Jamian, for being on today. Well, thank you for having me. And we will be right back with uh, Julia Fordham. Stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in to the Live, Love, Thrive show, where we bring you powerful and positive programming about women and those who support women's empowerment. It seems by sharing their stories and showing us their talent and potential, they remind us of our own. We ask you to join us weekly by taking a minute to subscribe to our 360 Karma YouTube channel so you get to see every episode of these uplifting and inspiring stories. We all need more of this, yes? And did you know we have the Live, Love, Thrive book on our 360 Karma website and on Amazon? If you enjoy reading books of incredible women who are doing amazing work in the world, you will want to pick up a copy. Also, when you join 360karma.com, you will enjoy our growing video content of expert advice and support and learn about our workshops and our second annual Women's Conference in West Hollywood, November 3rd and 4th of this year. If you would like to align with a like-minded, purpose-driven community, you will feel at home at 360karma.com. We encourage and support you to live the life you love.
0: rtb financial group empowers women to raise the bar and take control of their financial future for more information visit
1: rtbfinancialgroup.com or call amanda barr at
0: 424-284-4216 the live love thrive program is brought to you in part by honda of downtown los angeles supporting the equality and empowerment of women
1: And we are back with Julia Fordham. Hi, Julia, how Hi. are you? Well,
0: I, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about myself because I am okay, but I am nothing on the Great Florence. Right? You know, I mean, uh, a
1: hundred Jambian. years old. Florence Ajamian. and I just love it. And but she you like, have the same sense of humor as your sister. You just sat down <laughs> and told me you were 101. Yeah, I said, I want to out to Florence. <laughs> I'm
0: 101.
1: You think Florence looked good? <laughs> look at me. I've had your I'm sister Claire on before, who uh, is a fabulous writer.
0: Wonderful writer. And, and so look, funny. And laugh that laugh funny.
1: Yes. And, and then here you are, uh, singer-songwriter. I mean, what a talented family. Thank you. Yeah, and you told me your
0: brother's an actor. No, my brother's also right? a singer, but my oh, singer. daughter. Oh, Oh, your daughter's an actor. an actor. She's an actor and a dancer. I knew but there was now, I knew there was, was a, all
1: these artists and, in your family, yeah, but not your mom and dad. Well,
0: not exactly, yeah. no. but they, I think they came they were post-war, so they were kids in the war and I think yeah. they came into the stuck it up and get on with it right. era. Right. Yeah. So I think if you Where had people any, didn't really pursue no, that pursue artistry. No. Yeah. So you 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 hunkered down hunkered and you got down, a job yeah. and you paid that mortgage. You know?
1: Right, right. That sounds like a very British thing, hunkered down.
0: We like to hunker down. <laughs> we do. You all do. We do. We don't You're really, hunkerers. Yeah, we're kind of amazed when people know how to barbecue and hang out and have a good time on a Sunday. Like, <laughs> I know. You all need to loosen up a little. Yeah, we're, not, we're just who we are, but we do all right.
1: <laughs> but you guys do have a great sense of humor. Yeah, sense of humor. I mean, humor, look at, what's his name? Benny Hill. Benny
0: Hill. But we like to have a decent cup of tea in the afternoon. That is. It's true. My sister yeah. Claire and I, he were talking about. Oh, I the, even like that. Yeah, we, we actually. Maybe I'm part British. We stop. <laughs> we do have. I used to have, uh, when I had a significant birthday, I was like, well, I'm gonna. what am I going to change? But I'm always like, I'm a doer. I'm a great doer. I don't like to be. I like yeah. to do. yeah. And yeah. I thought the change I will make is instead of walking around with my afternoon tea, I'm going to sit down and have it. Yeah. It's really hard. It took me quite a few years to make myself go, I'm sitting down having the tea now and I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm so relaxed.
1: I think that's me too. I relate to this. But yeah, yeah, we are doers, not beers. Yeah. Right, right. What's that thing you got to do, you think, do, be? Think do be. So yeah. if you do, then you be. I like
0: do, do, do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> shoo be do be do. shoo be doo be doo So, you know, at 14, you were writing music. See what I'm saying? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, you were a doer then. A doer yeah. was happening, yeah.
0: I mean, my yeah. first song I actually wrote when I was 12. I saw two girls sing The Streets of London, which was like a big folk song in England. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it was with our Bob Dylan. His name was Ralph McTell. They had this song called The Streets of London. And they also sang Blowing in the Wind. Oh. And they were you know, I was like still trying to find my place because they were like the hip girls, the good looking girls and the, you know, the sports girls, and I was just like, I don't know who my tribe is, and then these two girls got up and sung with these guitars, and I was like, that's my tribe. Oh, How do wow. I get in their gang? Oh my gosh. And, uh, and you saw that at gang. 12? I did, at 12, and then wow. one of them had a guitar. And, what took uh, you so long? No. Well, you know, that's when I realized <laughs> that maybe, that was my thing, you yeah. Know, because I immediately became obsessed, and I got yeah. my three chords, and then I immediately started writing really bad songs. <laughs> not
1: that, that, that do you I mean, wait? Do you remember the first one? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Okay, let be me hear it.
0: it with the rest of the world, but yeah. it was about—it was a social conscience song about oh. a tramp who was like this <laughs> poor tramp who's on the road and he's nobody cares about him. <laughs> <So> <laughs> even then, I was trying to find the angle, but I yeah.
1: love it. But you were caring about somebody. I was like that yeah. was my first. Song. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And you've been writing songs for how many years? <laughs> we won't well, say. You know, for decades. Mind. Yeah, for decades. For decades but but yeah. I mean, the
0: first. by the time I got to 14, so I'd been doing it for like two years, I was already in the folk club singing them. So I would right. go to the open mic nights. And that's when I heard other people's songs. So that's the first time I heard a Joni Mitchell song was oh, by yeah. somebody else that's singing magic. it. Because they used to have the guest singer and then the local people, I was a local folk, you would get up and do a song. So I thought that the criteria was that you had to do your own song. So I didn't realize that this woman sang Case of You," so I thought she had written it. And she came, I was like, that's the most brilliant song I've ever heard. It's a so wonderful And She went, yeah, I know, right? And I was like, oh, that's a bit arrogant. No, where's your humility, lady? Where is <laughs> And then it transpired that when I finally heard the Blue album, I was like, oh, wow, that's the song I heard in the folk club. That lady <laughs> didn't write that song. It's called A Case of You" by Joni Mitchell. And that was sort of like life-changing. Right. Hearing that song of that caliber at 14, -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think in the singer-songwriter genre, Joni's probably the benchmark, you know. I, I also yeah. love Joan on trading and Ricky Lee Jones. Oh, I always yeah. always keeping up with the Joneses. I did think about changing my name to Julia Jones at one point, you know, when I was first coming out. <coughs>
1: That's funny. Um, <laughs> and you've worked with some amazing people. I mean, and, and at one time you were working with a uh, Grammy Award-winning producer, uh, Larry Klein. Well, Larry right? Klein was right? married to Joni Mitchell. Yeah. And wow, an
0: amazing bass player and... Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I heard Larry before I met him, and uh, I was just talking about this yesterday to a couple of musician friends of mine, and Joni's record, um, that the opening track is the song called Chinese Cafe, and on it she morphs into the song Unchained Melody, but that song starts with this unbelievable bass and drums intro, and and the harmonics that Larry Klein played on that, I was like, wow, who's this guy? And again, this is like way before the Internet, so you can actually find information out, and then it transpires that, wow, you know, he's like this young 23-year-old guy, and Joni's married him, and she's much older. This is like the hippest yeah. thing ever. Yeah. So I and re- didn't
1: he work with Carole King and oh, he, Herbie well, Hancock? He, yeah, and you know, he's
0: worked with everybody. With I mean, everybody. Clotty. He's a phenomenal producer, arranger, a musician. But to, to finally meet Joni Mitchell, which I did, when I met wow. Joni Mitchell, she said to me, my husband loves you. Oh you man. must come meet him. So then I got to meet Larry and I got invited to their house and my fourth album, Falling Forward, was recorded at their house. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so. At their house. I know. It was what crazy. a cool story. I know. Isn't that crazy? You and must have been
1: like, this is surreal. It's surreal.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. surreal. And Joni
1: was sad. Did you wait? Did you tell her that story about the song that you
0: I, thought no, the I woman didn't. took I mean, the credit what for? I mean, can I tell it? you? I'm like a, I'm like a mute when Joan is like. <laughs> she, she she would describe me as that very quiet, shy girl from England. Because whenever I mean, first of all, she's a spectacular raconteur. Yeah, Joan. As people call her her mates, but yeah. not saying that I'm a mate, but I, I hold her in the highest regard. And she knows that, so she senses that from me. But I completely defer. You know, when Joni's in the house, I'm not like, so, Jo, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> just, tell us about the time that you had an affair with Graham Nash. I'm just be great. No. Uh, no, I mean, I just listen. But you probably could have. Well, here's, yeah. this is, when you meet your yeah. living yes. icon.
1: Yes, yeah, you're just speechless. I have. Yeah.
0: It's not just that I'm speechless. I'm actually, I'm a good talker, but I'm a brilliant listener. (laughs) And I know when to not talk. So when I had so much quality time with Joni that as this 14-year-old person, I had no concept or could not even, you know, when people like, you know, create your future, which part of me was going to go, well, I'd like to be in the kitchen with Joni Mitchell and hear what she's got to say. That's when I know not to talk. And there are things that Joni has shared with me that to me were clearly intimacies that I would never repeat. Right. Because she doesn't have to go just between us, obviously, because I can tell that that's private. Yeah. But I can also tell that she's telling amazing stories. So as time went on I, over this record i mean i sort of did reveal more of myself but I, and i did make her laugh a few times it the, the, she was talking to me on the phone once and she said uh she said you know the last time i saw lennon was new york in like 63 and i said oh i thought that was richard in detroit in 68 you know, <laughs> she's got that song the last time i saw richard was a Detroit, and she went that is both funny and clever it is clever and (laughs) funny no and then she she carried on and then this voice in my head was like going shut up (laughs) do not tell any jokes your favorite living icon is chatting to you but this incredible story went on that she says and I said to Lennon I said John he said yes John I said the love song is dead and then she went on to share this like unbelievable conversation and I was with a colleague of hers and I went should I be taping (laughs) like, like, <laughs> wisdom and gems are falling from her lips and he goes she always talks like that but I felt like it was so wow. pri- privileged to hear her talking that I should be capturing it she likes then,
1: talks like how she writes music yeah, what yeah. I mean, she's,
0: just, she's a living genius almost yeah. a genius so yeah. I had but this late, wait, incredible story now what
1: about let's let's turn it back to you <laughs> speaking of incredible genius write no, your music thank you. and you have such a unique voice thank you Yeah, and I know we talked about that Mm -hmm. a little bit uh, before, was about how when you were young, you, you know, realized that you had this both super low voice and super high voice that was kind of different than anybody else, like, that set you apart, and that you had a friend that was discouraging about it, but then you (laughs) had other people that were supportive, so you kind of... We're caught in between that.
0: When I discovered the two girls in the assembly I was telling you about, and then I'm at the folk clubs, and I'm hearing women sing in a middle to high range. I haven't still, I'm still yet to really discover low singing women. I mean, actually, Karen Carpenter a bit, but later, that woman has a low voice. So I would be going to this folk club and singing in my mid and high range, mainly because the first person I showed the very low singing part of my voice to was my little best friend at school called Claire, Claire Manning, we call her little Claire. She's very, very posh. And um, and I said, look, I would sing her my song. She'd go, oh, darling, it's marvelous. And then I said, look, I can do this other thing. And I sang her this song that I'd written in this really low part of my voice. And she was like, oh, no, darling, that's just not normal and it's not right. <laughs> and I, I strongly advise you to, to keep that to yourself. Those were her words. <laughs> You've got to keep that to yourself. So I, I did because I thought it was so convincing. She's yeah. my only person I'm sharing right, my songs right. with. but. The irony is, is that as the years went by, I, the, the next person I sort of thought, well, I'll show them was a musician, who guitarist, who was like, wow, your songs are amazing, and your voice, your range is so big, and you've got that middle of that high. And I went, I can also sing really low. And I showed him the low part of my voice. He was like, oh, my God, that's unbelievable. <laughs> but the irony is I'm still friends with my best friend from school, Claire, and we still laugh about how she said, you know, you better keep that to yourself because my first big hit was like don't ask me why <laughs> and that's in the lowest part of my voice so I'm really glad that I ignored my best friend's advice to keep that it, to myself she must be laughing about that we today. laugh every time I see her. She's like, and it's a good job you took my advice and kept that to yourself not you know and
1: that, that what was the name of your first hit the happy Happily, ever after happy that ever that after was the yeah line
0: of happy ever after
1: and you have, uh, you know, I know you've done many albums, mm-hmm. but you have a new one that... Uh, I do. Mixed, shaken.
0: I have, well, I have... Um, is that the newest the, one? The one I have like... Mixed, a, shaken I'm not, and stirred. Mixed, shaken and stirred is a curious project that was done by other people where they took songs from my first album and that Happy Ever After was on, and they put amazing remixes and beats and groovy things underneath it. Now, oh, cool. all I did was say yes. I, have, yeah. I don't feel attached to that record, but it's fabulous if you like that sort of thing. Right. So imagine my voice, if you will, with lots of, like, hip rhythms and funky beats under. I'm sure my daughter would like it. But the current project that I have is, um, I have two. Uh, one is called The Language of Love, which is a jazz project. Basically, oh, wow. Florence was talking earlier about the clubs in the 50s. I've just invited Florence, actually, to come see me play at the Catalina Jazz Club in Hollywood on October the 18th. Um, because I was invited to do a jazz record by JVC, a, a record company in Japan. And they wanted me initially to do a covers. It was like I, everyone has done the, the world's best cover albums, starting with the, the greatest singer ever, Ella Fitzgerald. Right. I just don't think anyone... I mean, Diana Krall's done amazing covers of the American song, but so right. my producer, Grant Mitchell, who's here, pianist, arranger, amazing musician, we presented to them the idea, what if we took songs, for example, like Debbie Harry Blondie's Call Me and turned that into like a 6-8 swing kind of vibe. Or, oh, my or God, we, that we took, sounds great. Yeah, or so we took, say, 10 C's I'm Not In Love and made it into this sort of sparse piano trio. And uh, they said yes, and we feel we made a really fresh sounding record. Now is that the music you're gonna play at the October or some of The thing is, I have to do some of everything because people want to hear Happy Ever After. Manhattan Skyline was my hit here, really love Moves in Mysterious Ways, Porcelain, obviously, Girlfriend. So I never just do all of an album. We do five songs from the album, then we do what we call hits and favorites. And, you know people you know I did a request tour once so I know what songs people want to hear so right, right. we're going to be sharing also the songs from our other recent record which is called um, it's it was basically a live record it's called live and untouched because we didn't do anything to it. We just got one of those CDs after a gig <coughs> ones it sounded really great so Grant made it sound better my producer who's here but do you like touring? I do, yeah. I'd tour much more if there was more gigs like that. So
1: I know you have the one coming up
0: here in Los Angeles and then at Joe's Pub in New York. Yes, I'm playing Joe's Pub. In October, I'm playing San Francisco on the 13th and 14th of October. Oh, beautiful. Back to L.A. Actually, I do live here, so it's not like I'm coming over from England. So (laughs) October the 18th in L.A. and then at the end of the month on the 27th and 28th, I'm playing at the fabulous Joe's Pub in New York.
1: Yeah, that's iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, So you like touring? You like, is it nice to get that immediate feedback? Uh,
0: Well, you know, I like to travel. Yeah. So me too. I like to travel. So Mm. I really see that my gift that comes through me are my songs and my voice. And that has been the vehicle that has taken me all over the world. Wow. So happy ever after took me to India because it was used in a charity project, and we were invited to the opening of a school mm. that had been wiped away in the tsunami. We were, we were swept yeah. away by that song. Yeah. I've been to the Philippines because of my voice. There are places I'd still like to go: Australia, New Zealand, Africa, with my voice. Yeah. But I've been all over Europe and all over America, and so I like. I mean, I just like. You love traveling, I like sharing the music. Being who I am. Yeah. Having,
1: I would think, as a, a songwriter, it's just uh, such a high to have people appreciate your yes, music, yeah. and you know, you were sharing with me that the songs just like a lot of songwriters talk about, they just kind of, you kind of almost seem to be a conduit to yes. it, right? Like it just comes to you. Yes, you told me you don't like try to write it; no. it just. Kind of downloads, And then when I have,
0: and then I have faith. Which is why I don't
1: write any songs. No downloads. (laughs) No downloads. (laughs) And I'm not going to (laughs) try.
0: But I mean, I, I then I will. I'm quite disciplined as well. Yeah. So I. I don't go, right, I'm going to make myself write a song. I wait to receive something. So right. when it comes through me, yeah. so say like one day I go, don't ask me why I'm running out of laughter. I'm like, oh, that's good. And yeah. then I'll just keep working on that, and then I'll make myself um, put the time aside to, to do something. I used right. to do that you know, in, in the earlier part of my career. Right. But now that I'm a mother, everything I do is like, I'm driving the carpool. I will. The kids get out of the car. Goodbye. We've had like the loudest pop music for 40 minutes. And then <laughs> I become disciplined and I work on that idea that's trying to come through, but it can't because three kids are singing the latest Bruno Mars song at the right, top of their voices. Right. You know.
1: So your advice to someone if they're listening that would want to be a songwriter mm. is you do have to put yourself in some sort of quiet environment, like most artists, it, rather they're going to paint or write music or... Uh, or write a book or whatever. They they have to have some quiet because in, in the energy of everything going on around mm. you, like you're saying, the kids or their music or whatever, it's hard to to allow something to download. Well, right? th-
0: here's the honest truth. I don't. No. If a song's going to find me, it doesn't matter oh. if there are three kids yelling at the tops of their voice. That song comes through me. And if the radio is on, they're all singing. There's an argument. Someone is hoovering, and there's a lawnmower man. Yeah. That song still comes through me, and really? then I go. Now I will find a quiet, quiet space to I, put it down. I don't have to be quiet for it to come through. It's the strangest thing, but all of the songs have always come through me. I have never gone. I'm going to write a song about Paul and I treat you know. Right, right. So, but then I, what I will do is I recognize I've I, I love that um, the book by Elizabeth Gilbert the yeah. you know the, the oh big love admin, pry, play, pray? No, the one the following oh. one about the big yeah. magic and how you. I know sometimes when the magic has found me, yeah. but then I, then I'm like, now I have to wait for the kids to get out of the car. Right. But I'm very, that's when I'm To write it down? Yes. Well, to no, write I, I it don't, down. I don't even write it down. I just remember it. It's weird. Wow. But what I don't do is like when everyone's going, hey, we're going for coffee. You want to come? No, I don't. I don't want to chat. I don't want to come to coffee. Yeah. I want to, I want to receive what I've been sent. Right. And, and do my job on the earth, which is to write it.
1: Right. So, so in that respect, you're not going to let something sidetrack you. Exactly. Because you yeah. know that you're feeling that download. Yeah. yeah. So when
0: I've got the download, that's when I'll try and create the space when I'm like, you know, I'm yeah. now either going to take that tea and sit in that room or go there. But it just keep, comes in. Because extreme. the world
1: is such a frenetic place. Yes. We're so busy with, uh, here in LA, traffic and people and you know i think it is hard for any artist a uh, writer or singer mm. or actor or whatever to uh let it manifest uh without it being sometimes quiet go go over to the beach or go out to the country or something like that well,
0: the trouble is with our society and especially the kids today yeah and i keep saying to my child it's like be it's okay to be empty yes and i'm very good at that right. i don't have to have the tv on the radio on be on right. the phone post boom bump, boom, boom yeah i am, you people are overstimulated. The kids are bonkers yeah. overstimulated. Right, right. Where's the peace? There's no peace. Right. So I'm quite happy to yeah. be by myself, go places by myself. I walk for an hour every day by right. myself. Yeah. And I need that, you know.
1: And I love uh, what music brings to people, it uh, literally affects how they feel. Right. Music can give you that sense of peace or mm. happiness or or just uh, um, you know, provide like a memory. you know how you'll hear music and you'll bring up a memory. I'm sure all of your songs have memories attached to them either right, when you wrote them right. or playing them in a specific place with somebody or right? Well I
0: think also that for some people music is a distraction and they don't really like music. like other people prefer TV shows or they like the news or to see the headlines or they like that book or they so I think that, I mean, I will still come back to music that I loved in those formative years in my teens, like excellent singer songwriters. Like, I still think, Mm -hmm. you know, like John Martin was a wonderful English singer songwriter, or Scottish. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be beaten by all Scottish people, (laughs) including my own (laughs) producer out there, Grant Mitchell. (laughs) But there's something that was so timeless and brilliant about his music, and the same with Joni, you know, I think right. it's in a class and lead, league of its own. Right. Uh, but I like a lot of the stuff today, my favorite current artist is an astonishing singer called Laura Mvula, and she's just absolutely fabulous. I've and heard of her, yeah. yeah. I strongly urge you to be blown away by her greatness, and Leanne Le Havaz as well, both these women are young British women who are just doing phenomenal singing and songwriting. Incredible. And your daughter, she's an artist also. What is, what is well, she Well, she is a really fantastic dancer. I mean, she's just oh. absolutely great. She's also... What she about you? Are you a dancer? Well, you know, I had my... I'm com- quite a convincing tap dancer, as I have, happens, <laughs> Catherine. I, I could leave up on this table now and show you a <laughs> shuffle Could or you two. please? <laughs> but I feel compelled to express myself in a slightly different way. But right. she, I am completely... She's always like drawing she's always like she likes to do lists i mean she the people are who they are i mean that kid Five years old. I don't like books, Mum. I hate reading. She's <laughs> saying it to this day. But
1: she wasn't making lists then, was she? She was. That's my point. Every
0: day, because the school would be, I would make her. I'm a list person. She would have to stop doing her list and her free doodly. And I used to think, I'm i'm not sure this is right, because you've got to do your 20 minutes reading. <laughs> I don't want to read. I want to draw pictures. No, <laughs> stop doing that really creative thing, because we've got this box we've got to tick saying you did 20 minutes. <laughs> but as I was doing it, I knew yeah. it was wrong. Right. And I yeah, want let people all of you out there to know that she's got. To 12 now and I've finally given up I will never again say the words have you read that book because I don't care she's this strident personality yeah. who is who she is Right. and she wants to make lists and draw things and design things and she's right. always since she was 5 gone this is how I want my house to look and drawn her yeah. house and, and, and what
1: about uh, what she wants to do in life because I know you shared with me your parents were always like you know uh, you want to do music what what you have to get you know you have to get paid you know this right. is like you know but when you finally got your first album then they were like oh okay <laughs> yeah, like oh sense. you're getting paid okay then it's okay yeah <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: yeah and, if, and when you're not it's not okay but I, I i was quite old i was like hurtling towards 43 before i had this perfect baby and i've a lot of things that you know we all do that that our parents said or did we maybe swing too far but one thing that I have done is I have just gone along with so when she was in preschool except she the was, lists. no I'm like, just kidding I'm even kidding those, I've <laughs> always affirmed like that's amazing you're so organized that's so wonderful that you're designing your house oh, that's I, nice. I've always I know that from all the parenting yeah. books I've read yeah but I've also, also when she was two she was like she had a face painter. She went, Mum, I want to be a face painter, paint facing person when I grow up. So I was' like, brilliant, be a paint. You know, <laughs> so what she wanted to do is she's going to paint faces. <laughs> and then it was, I want to be, you know, an actor. Yeah. Be an actor, that's fantastic. Yeah. Then yeah. it's I want to be a dancer, that's fantastic. Now it's I want to be an architect, I want to yeah. be an interior designer. So, yeah. ever she You're says, supportive. I go more than supportive. I go, That's fantastic, that's a great idea. I think you'd be great at that. Let me know if you want me to help you look that up, what you need. But yeah. I don't have to do that because she's yeah. naturally, innately proactive. That's awesome. She's she always sounds looking amazing. up, you know, what she's going to do, what you yeah. need. She's like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get into UCLA, but I'm looking at my current grades. I've got to step that up. And oh, if I want to be an architect, I need math. Hmm. You know, she's <laughs> she's just naturally She'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah but it. you're letting her. I let her. She but that's great. You know,
1: more me. mothers need to do what you're doing, which mm. is encourage their daughters to be whatever they want to be and that's where a good thing that's changed in our culture more and more women are like you that are empowering their daughters so how wonderful is that
0: well I'm in a part of an amazing group called a mother-daughter group which I can take no credit for (laughs) Um, I know there's an amazing mother woman called Dawn Fine in Topanga where I live and she came to me with this idea and a few other mothers and it's based on a book written by two therapists and they had noticed how many young teens were coming in with eating disorders and suicidal tendencies oh and being disconnected from their mother because they're growing up in a very changing world, a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. On, I mean, talk about the visual things that we were supposedly exposed to from magazines and movies. Yeah. Now it's like every five seconds I don't right. have a nice, nice enough likes, I'm not thin enough. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm part of this group and they teach you in the book, it's called The Mother-Daughter Project, if uh, any of you want to read it. It, it. it advises you how to react and not react and what to say and what to do and how to guide them and how to, when to be hands-on and when to be hands-off. I love that, The Mother Project. Mother-Daughter Project. Mother-Daughter Project, yes. I love that.
1: Well, listen. I'm so happy to have you on. Thank I know you. you're it's in LA yes. at the um, Catalina
0: Jazz Catalina Club Hollywood on October the 18th.
1: October the 18th. Come. Wonderful. Thank you. I know uh, we have your fans out there listening, Wonderful. and uh, and and probably just garnered some new fans. So, <laughs> thank you for being on so thank much. Thank you so uh, much for Julia. Me. Thank you. And uh, we'll look forward to your upcoming performances, uh, both in LA, New York, San Francisco, and and who knows where else. Hopefully, Australia and, and New <laughs> Zealand. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) need to get there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Make it a great day. Hugs and happiness.